Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is November 18th. This is episode 64 of the Cold Brew Podcast, also known as the Corbin Burns Cy Young Victory <laughs> Lab episode of the podcast. It happened today. We all woke up today, and Corbin Burns is your National League Cy Young. I told you, Matt, I've been telling you for years. I've been telling everyone who will listen, even people who won't listen, people who do not care, random strangers on the street. I've been saying it for three years. And here we are. We have finally made it. The prophecy has been fulfilled. And Corbin Burns is your National League Cy Young. Yes, sir. I need to hold on here real quick. I need to just hold this beer up to the microphone as close as I can get it and try and get some. That's a victory beer. Yeah. Corbin Burns. There we go. Got Let, let's see. Hold on a second. I just a small little small little test. Oh, yes. I just I just got the, uh, the right. twist off on the on the Miller Lite bottle here, but <laughs> oh man, it feels so good. I will tell you one of my absolute favorite parts about Victory Night. Uh, last night for Corbin Burns and the NL Cy Young was watching you pull up a receipt <laughs> on, the, on Twitter account, just one after another after another. It was it was a piece of art. I was just yeah. oh, I loved it every second. Yeah. I was following you the whole time. Yeah, were, were people really thinking I wasn't going to keep receipts on this? Because in, in 2019, when I first made the prediction, and Corbin Burns sucked that year. I mean, we we all know it. And everyone's just landing on me. Oh, well, he can't win a, a Cy Young from AAA. I mean, this dude needs to be DFA'd. He needs to be traded. He sucks so bad. Oh, my God. One after another, all throughout the season, every time he had a bad outing, which was pretty much every time he had an outing. Um, <laughs> and just everyone just giving up on him. It's like, this dude sucks. Never going to make it. Never going to do anything. And I'm just like, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and did it happen? It happened. It definitely it happened. 100% happened. And sure. now here we are, and I'm pulling up the receipts. And some people some people took it in stride. It's like, ah, okay, yeah, you got me. Okay, I, I overreacted a bit back then. It's like, oh, yeah, this, that, that looks really dumb now. Some people blocked me on Twitter and did not uh, take <laughs> it very well. Um but, you know, hey, that's just their problems in life, that they can't handle their own wrongness. Um, so if you're going to be wrong, I'm going to make you stand there in your wrongness and be wrong about it. Um, but not me. I'm over here in the right. I've been here in the right the whole time. And I've just now been proven that way. So I am going to take my victory lap, and that I did. Take your victory lap. Your legs are going to be sore after all the laps that you're taking here, but that's okay. <laughs> You you've earned those laps, Corbin, just as much as Corbin Burns earned uh, that Cy Young. It was a surprisingly tight vote, and I thought the tight vote was going to be between him and Scherzer. It mm-hmm. actually ended up be- being between him and Wheeler, um, which I, th- I think goes to show you, considering Wheeler's main argument was just like how much he pitched, how many innings he had, how many strikeouts he racked up, blah, blah, blah. Um, But it shows you how many baseball traditionalists there really are still out there. Um, They weren't digging as deep into the advanced stats and the um, right stats and, you know, all the things that Corbin Burns dominated. Um, They really did like the fact that um, 
Wheeler, when he went out there, gave you a solid long outing every single time. Um, and, you know, Pitching Ninja, he ran the numbers today and it was huh. Wheeler was averaging roughly two outs extra per game. And so I guess that's the longevity that you're appreciating. Um, but I, I think it was two very different schools of thought um, that were at battle with those two. And I think it was interesting to see how it came down. But you just in the end could not deny Burns's absolute dominance last year and the voters ultimately most of them ended up making the right choice yeah and i think what was interesting for me is seeing kind of where uh these votes really kind of came from i mean so the the way it was broken down both burns and wheeler had 12 first place votes um Mm -hmm. and you know that makes it you know it's obviously gonna be a tight race after that but let's look at where these votes came from now, a friend of the podcast, Adam McAlvey, uh, did have Corbin Burns atop his uh, Cy Young ballot. Uh, he did give us a little bit of concern there when we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. You know, we weren't sure, but he had Wheeler third uh, on, on his ballot. Um, but Adam McAlvey can stay a friend of the podcast uh, because he kept Burns atop the ballot. And uh, Todd Rosiak, who we haven't had on yet, um, but oh, also right. had Corbin Burns atop his ballot. But also, Burns topped the ballots of both the Chicago Riders and the Cincinnati Riders, two other NL Central teams. Um, and then also, uh, down in Pittsburgh, Burns topped a ballot there uh, from Kevin Gorman, um, although Mike Persak had Zach Wheeler top his ballot. Um, and in St. Louis, uh, Corbin Burns was atop Ryan Fagan's ballot. Um, and then he was second on uh, Katie Wu's of The Athletic. So, you know, he got a lot of votes there from, got a lot of first place votes from the NL Central. I mean, those guys had seen him the most, so uh, it really kind of makes sense. What was interesting was Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic giving Corbin Burns a first place vote. Ardaya is the beat writer for the Dodgers uh, out there in Los Angeles. And he gave Burns the vote over Scherzer, um, which I found to be very interesting. Um, But, yeah, when it came down to it, 151 points for Corbin Burns, 141 for Zach Wheeler. Both had 12 first-place votes, but Burns had 14 second-place votes. Meanwhile, Wheeler only had nine, and then Burns had three third-places. Wheeler had four third-places. Burns had one-fourth. Wheeler had four-fourths. And then one fifth. Um, who voted? Who put uh, Wheeler fifth on their ballot? Let me scroll through here. Charlie Goldsmith uh, from Cincinnati had oh, Wheeler four. Had Wheeler fifth. Brandon Woodruff fourth on his ballot, uh, and Corbin oh. Burns in first place. So very okay. interesting. Yeah, he, he was one of two fourth place votes for Brandon Woodruff, who ended up finishing fifth uh, in the balloting, uh, two fourth place votes and 17 fifth place votes for Woodruff. Um, so he was a, a popular candidate to fill out the ballot. Uh, another strong year for him as well. But Corbin Burns, just just too strong. Yeah, I will admit. Uh, I could try and hide behind this. I will admit I was the one who said that Woodruff uh, was the one more likely to win a Cy Young this year. So I'll own up to that as well. 
Um, but I was glad to see that he was up there amongst the leaders. Um, I think that goes to show, you know, how much respect he's earned across the league. Um, and the fact that he got that um, fourth place vote shows within the division, obviously. And from a Reds writer who, you know, they've known strong starting pitching over these last couple of years. So they know what, what it looks like. And so um, I guess in that sense, a little bit less surprising that Woodruff ended up getting a higher vote. But um we know Burns deserved it. Burns 100% deserved it. He got it. The voters, for the most part, made the right decision. Um, and Burns is your 2021 NL Cy Young winner. I'm sorry, but was that, could, could you say that again? Corbin Burns is your 2021 NL Cy Young winner. Oh, I heard you the first time, but man, I just love hearing hearing those words. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna be like okay you you know the movie Finding Nemo, and and you know Dory when when she reads the back of the mm-hmm. goggles and and it says P Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Sydney, and then for the next like five minutes and of the movie but really for the next however long she just can't stop saying the words P Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Sydney. Yeah, I'm the yeah. exact same way right now with Corbin yep. Burns as your 2021 National League Cy Young winner. Like that's that's just on repeat for me for. However long. Will I ever get tired of it? Probably not. Will the people around me get tired of it? Yes. But that's their problem, not mine. I I would love for you to pop into the um, Slack chat of all the MLB co-experts or site experts <laughs> for MLB, for fansided. And just every morning, just, hey, just want to remind everyone, Corbin Burns is your 2021 NL Cy Young winner. Carry on with the rest of your day. Yeah, eventually they'll they'll mute me and Kurt will just be like, "Hey man, you, you got to stop. You're making uh, you're making the people over in Philly kind of upset." Yeah, I suppose, I suppose, but I yeah. get a kick out of it. Yeah, but man, it's so great, so fun, Feels good. totally, totally, 100% deserving uh, of getting this award. And oh man, I I, I was nervous. Okay, so so Oral Hershiser. Uh, was the guy who announced uh, the the Cy Young this year, and and for a lot of the previous awards, they've gotten guys who were uh, players for the franchise of the eventual winner. Like you know, Johnny Bench announced the Rookie of the Year, and that was Jonathan India. You know, both played for the Reds. Um, so you see that, and it's like, you know, maybe they're they're planning for Oral Hershiser just so that. Uh, they can announce Max Scherzer. That, that's what I was thinking. I had no idea if Scherzer was going to be third. Um, so it's like, oh, I mean, if it's going to be the Brewers, it's like, hey, maybe uh, Raleigh Fingers would announce it or, or Pete Vukovic. Mm-hmm. That may have been a little too obvious if they went with either of those guys, though. Um, but either way, when when I saw Hershiser, he's like, okay, he's just kind of reading it off. And, and, then he, and then he says Corbin, and I just freaking lit <laughs> up, man. Just started screaming. I the videos on my Twitter. I, I was so annoyed. So I it was like a minute and a half video or whatever. I just I just put it in. I try to tweet it. Twitter just like automatically just automatically just like cut off like the first half of the video. Like you have to go Ooh. in and like manually like change it so that the entire thing is in there. So like it it automatically only clipped like thirty seconds. And I'm just like what the shit. You know like by the time that I caught it, it was already like an hour or so later. So like the whole big moment had passed. I'm just like, God damn it. Like, 
I needed I that whole thing initially, not, not just the final 30 seconds. Like the, the whole fun part is the initial reaction to seeing the news. Mm-hmm. But uh, Twitter just, I hate it sometimes. Yeah, I, I need to get Philly that Twitter fans. blue. Have you seen that? Not, now you've got I, a Twitter subscription type thing. You can pay them like three bucks a month uh, to have, uh, you, you can like edit your tweets and like do whatever stuff. I, yeah, I did. I, I get some uh, commercials for it every, or advertisements for it every once in a while. Not interested. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in paying Twitter for all the crap that they've done anyways. No. Yeah. We, we voluntarily are a part of that shit show that is Twitter sometimes. Yeah, I'm we, not going to pay to be a part of a shit show. No, no, no. No, not so much. Yeah. Uh Matt, I see you've got the uh, Pitching Ninja shirt today to celebrate the uh, Corbin Burns. I do. It felt I wore, appropriate. It is, yeah. I wore mine yesterday for, for the announcement because I felt it was appropriate then. Uh, but today I am wearing the Corbin Burns uh, jersey that I got. So I, f- I feel that's also appropriate. You no one can see it because we, like, we, we don't have video with this podcast. But that is what right. I'm wearing um, in it's case anyone was... was in case anyone was wondering uh, what I was wearing right now, that that is the answer. A Corbin Burns jersey. Yeah, you were all wondering, admit it. Yeah, everyone's wondering. I know, I know. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it's a very popular question among our, um, I think last time I checked the analytics, at least like 90% male audience. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. Um Speaking yes. of Corbin Burns, um, so now that he has won uh, the Cy Young Award, and you know everyone's kind of looking, it's like, oh, the Brewers should definitely give him a contract extension. Well, now that he's won a Cy Young, uh, Corbin Burns' agents have got to be salivating pretty hard over there because they know uh, what it takes to extend a, a reigning Cy Young winner is going to mean a lot more money than a non-reigning Cy Young winner. Yeah, um, and there was a recent signing across the league that uh, could point a little bit to maybe just how pricey, or at least the very beginning of how pricey uh, Burns is going to be. Um, Jose Barrios uh, signed an extension with Toronto uh, at, I just had it pulled up. Seven years um, and $131 years. million. Yeah, that's a lot of coin, uh, as they as no one says. Um, yeah, so that's Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios, uh, last season, where's an overview here, um, for the Twins and the Blue Jays, um, had a 3.52 ERA in 32 games started, um, a 1.063 whip. Um, he actually finished ninth in the Cy Young, uh, award voting to teammate at the end of the season, Robbie Ray, in the American League. Um, and that earned him uh, a monster contract. So what are we looking at here, David? Uh, we're looking at a lot of money. Uh, we are looking at uh, <laughs> nine figures for sure if the Brewers are going to uh, extend him. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that there are a couple of key differences with Barrios and Burns. Um, now, this was the first year that Barrios had earned any Cy Young votes at all. 
Um, and, and he's always been seen as really kind of a, a really good up and coming pitcher. Wasn't quite able to put it all together to have any real dominant seasons in Minnesota. He always had good seasons, always had mm-hmm. solid seasons, but nothing that really kind of uh, exploded him really onto the scene. And perhaps that'll change being in Toronto uh, now after getting traded there midseason. But Barrios is 27. And he was a year away from free agency. He made his debut when he was 22 years old. Burns, however, uh, is he just turned 27, just finished his age 26 season, debuted when he was 24, uh, and he still has three more years of team control remaining. So by the time he reaches free agency, he's going to be 29. Uh, Barrios would have been 28 when he reached free agency. Mm -hmm. However, Burns has clearly proven himself to be a far superior pitcher than Barrios. Um... And that is also going to to add to it. And, and he still has three years of arbitration to go. He's projected to earn $4 million this year, um, and, and we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, but when it comes to an extension, um, I think seven years and $131 million is really just going to be uh, a baseline to, to kind of look at. Um, when... when when you see really kind of the pitching market in general this offseason, I mean, Noah Syndergaard signed for $21 million with the Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Verlander signed for $25 million a year at age 39 mm-hmm. back with the Houston Astros. Um, pitching is very expensive right now. The, the top of the free agent pitching market is incredibly high. There, there is so much money being thrown around uh, to these pitchers. So Burns' agents are going to be looking at that, and Stearns is looking at that, and – Pitching is is very expensive right now. Um, so if you're going to be trying to do a deal, um, you're going to be you're going to be paying up. So what, what the Brewers are going to do, because look, it, it's not going to be right away. Burns is moving up to 20 million a year, okay? Right. Because the, the Brewers have the next three years slated out to be arbitration with, with him getting raises through arbitration. Um, he's not going to go from making 600k this last year to 20 million. Um, in 2022, if he signs an extension here. So here, here's what I think could end up happening. Um, you have, let, let, let's say, let's say they, they go for a seven-year contract for Burns. Like, let's say if a deal happens here, it's seven years for Burns, similar to, similar to Barrios. I'd say year one, you're probably getting $5 million, All right? Just, I'm, I'm just kind of keeping this even. Um, so it's slightly above his current projection for arbitration year one you get five year two you get 10 and then year three of arbitration you get 15 so steady five million dollar increases mm-hmm. uh, working his way up as as what he would earn in arbitration should all go as well um so that takes you through three years you got 30 million locked up there um then now you're reaching after this is going to be the free agent years that you're buying out so this is, I think, is going to push you more. I could see it bumping up to, to 25 um, or so. So say you do the next four years at 25. That takes you to $130 million over seven yeah. years. Yeah. And I, mean, I think that. Go ahead. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like the the fact that they're buying out arbitration years as opposed to free agency years allows you to soften that blow a little bit up front. Um, you don't have, you know, 
like Barrios, where you've got, you know, all those years of track record that you're going based off of as well. Um, it's, I think that's reasonable. Um, I hope they do it at this point. It's time. They got to start working on that fast. And, and I think that um, that 5 million was, I think that should be a, a solid starting point to um, the 4 million uh, arbitration projection, which we uh, get from uh, MLB trade rumors. Um, and they do their yearly every year. That's generally how we kind of uh, what we look to first here. Um, that was set before he won the Cy Young. Uh, mm-hmm. They they knew obviously that he was going to be in the running for it, not that he was going to be a literal Cy Young winner. That is now on his resume, and that is now something you have to pay for. Um, and so you know that bumps up that first bit up front. You know maybe it ends up being a six or a seven. I don't know. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that pops in just that little bit above Barrios. Um, but I, I think that is a, a fair estimate. And I would not complain if that were a uh, contract that the Brewers threw out there, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, you, you're going to have um, you're going to have four years there um, at twenty five million for him with also twenty five or twenty six million for Christian Yelich. So that's going to be over fifty million dollars combined just between those two players on those future payrolls. Um, so it may end up uh, getting tough to, somewhere down the line. I mean, depending on what uh, happens with the CBA, how payrolls have to look and, and where the Brewers end up being. But that's something that I, I think with, especially what Burns brings, 25 million is actually kind of a discount if it keeps on performing like this. I mean, cause you see guys like, um, Clayton Kershaw and David Price and Max Scherzer and uh, all these guys, when they sign their free agent money, they're signing for $30 million a year or more. Um, so if you're getting burns for $25 million a year, that might be a discount. And honestly, you know, if I'm Burns' agent, I'm asking for more than $25 million um, in those free agent buyout years. I mean, perhaps you could work your way up, you know, have the first one be 25 then have the next couple be 30 or something. Um, and that, that can maybe push that extension, maybe like 140 or, or 150 million, depending on what you do, or, or you have a couple of 27s or 28s. Um, but, you know, I, I think a good starting point for, for the arbitration point is just going 5, 10, 15, um, just to give yourself the steady arbitration rages. And, you know, then from there, you're buying out the free agent years and what he would get in free agency, um, because he's slated to reach free agency at 29. And if he keeps performing like this, he's going to get a monster payday. Um, So if you're going to be buying that out, you're not going to be getting it for for cheap. So, I mean, even even 25 would probably be at a team friendly discount, you know, at a a local hometown, whatever discount you want to call it. Yeah. And again, keep in mind, like that, those prices, they're just going to keep going up and up and up and up. Eventually, those, you know, high powered pitchers, we're going to be talking about the offseason where. 30 is the norm for what's you know some of the big names are going to get and then it's going to be 35 and then it's going to be 40 so if you can lock him in at a you know an average yearly value of around that 25 to 30 yes you win that that ends up looking good for you down the road it sounds like a lot and it is a lot especially for a team like the brewers and the payroll that they normally have um but Ultimately, he will end up being underpaid, likely, compared to what some of the other names will get 
down the road. And so that's why you start working on this. Now, I'll tell you what, if the CBA somehow results in some sort of a salary floor, I doubt the Brewers will ever have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, now with those guys, if, they, if they're able to lock them up to that. Um, right. Also, let's let's just take a side side note, sidetrack here, and just let's just bring up and remember how great and smart the Freddie Peralta contract extension looks oh, right now. Yes. That extension was oh beautiful. Gosh. Five years, fifteen and a half million, two club options for eight million dollars. Uh, that that could make it seven years and like thirty million for Freddie Peralta, especially with what he did this year. Fantastic being able to lock him up that way. Um, and Freddie was happy to do it. I mean, his agents told him, "Hey, maybe don't do this." And he's like, "Nah, I want to do it." And yeah. that's that's incredible. I, I love it. And if you you got to get at least one other, you got to get either Burns or Woodruff locked in uh, to a contract extension. I have a tough time seeing them signing all three. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them sign both Burns and Woody. Um, but really, I think Burns is going to be the toughest one just because he's he's two years younger than Woodruff. Um, yeah. Woodruff is slated to reach free agency at age 31. Um, mm. So he's on the wrong side of 30. It's going to be tougher for him to find a, a five-year contract um, at that age, a uh, five, six-year deal. Um, so and, and, and in context of the Barrios um, extension, I don't think that one impacts him as much, uh, Im- impacts Woody, just because Woody's already a year older and has three more yeah. years to go until free agency. Yeah, but man, I, I I think it I think you have to prioritize Burns because of exactly what you're saying. He's younger. He's you know still got uh, more of his career ahead of him. And he's the reigning so if, Cy Young he's, winner. And he's the reigning Cy Young winner. Sorry to cut you off so there, but I had to say that. That's that's okay. That's a, we're gonna. That's not gonna be the last time in this episode. No, it's not. But or you, any future. You episode. sign him. <laughs> you you sign him. You already have Peralta. Man, what is Brandon Woodruff going to be on the outside looking in here? I, I I find it hard to believe that they're going to have money left in the payroll to sign him to an extension as well, because, it, you know, over the coming years, you're going to have offensive needs that are going to need to be addressed. Um, that's going to be a tough one. And not to mention, we've still got you know, hater that we are, you know, unless he gets moved in the offseason, Lord knows we'll be dealing with those rumors for the next few months again. Um, but should he stay here, that's going to be, you know, another year or two worth of money to pay to him. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like Woodruff. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. He is, you know, old reliable for the last few years here. Um, and man, to have that trio for multiple years would just be amazing for the Brewers playoff hopes every single season, but he's going to be a tough one to fit in if they, if they manage to lock down Burns. Yeah. I mean, they have all of them for at the very least the next three years. Um, so they're, they're going to be good in that regard, but you also have guys like Willie Adamas who is mm-hmm. under control for three years. And if you like him at shortstop, uh, you're going to need to sign him, and shortstops are not cheap either. Um, no. So you're, you're going to need to make sure that situation is settled. Um, you're really going to need 
young players and prospects from the system to really kind of step up in the next couple of years to provide that kind of uh, cheap talent to make the payroll really balance out. Because if the Brewers have to uh, be paying uh, their entire starting lineup and their rotation market rates, they're going to run out of money. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no cap, um, and the, I highly doubt there's ever going to be. Um, so keeping all of them and signing them to market rates is going to be tough. I mean, you even see that in capped leagues like the NFL, um, where you know teams will have so many good players, and there's just like you want to pay them all what they're worth, but then when you do, you run out of salary cap space, and the Brewers don't have a cap, but they don't have unlimited money. Like it's not like the Dodgers where it's just any free agent of theirs that they want to resign, that they want to keep or sign an extension to, they can, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, Mark just has to stop being cheap and, and, you know, j- just pay up and get the, no, it, it, that he doesn't have that type of money at his disposal. The Dodgers make $200 million more than the Brewers just on the TV deal alone. The Brewers are in the hole that much. You cannot make up that much money just in ticket sales and concessions and jersey sales at the team store and everything else. You can't that you can't make up that ground. Like there is no way for the Brewers to make that up. Um, so he just doesn't have that money at his disposal to to use for the payroll. That they don't bring in enough money to compete with the Dodgers for that. So. Unless there's a salary cap that ends up essentially suppressing salaries because everyone has to abide by it, which, again, the players union is not going to go for. And if the league tries to push for that, we're going to have more than just a lockout during the winter. Yeah. Uh, that That's going to be bad. It, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, and like like you were getting at, um, that's where it's going to be really important for the Brewers to draft and develop. Uh, extremely well, especially on the offensive side over the next few years. Um, We have lamented at length on the podcast how poorly the Brewers have been developing infielders in particular. Um, They're getting a little bit better in the shortstop uh, kind of uh, area, but corner infielders. After trading for two of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, they do have, you know, we do have Bryce Terang in the pipeline, um, you know, a couple of other uh, solid shortstops down there. So, you know, there's some options, um, but, you know, second base, first base, third base, um, not a whole lot in the pipeline there. And so uh, it, we've got, you know, some intriguing options this last year in Benellis and Black. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how they kind of work out, but you're going to need more than that. Um, and so it, it, it'll be vital for them to really continue working on that and getting better at it Um, because like you said yes they're going to have to rely on prospects at some point as they start to um, pay these guys that they have developed previously yeah and and that's where the development of a guy like tyrone taylor is extremely important because he's Mm -hmm. uh, at at league minimum for the next uh, few years Um, especially with avisel garcia now gone you could really use him stepping up in right field Um, and then after this next year Lorenzo Cain and Jake Bradley Jr. come off the books. Um, so you're going to have spots in that outfield. And that's where you need guys like Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich uh, to be ready. Um, Corey Ray, to an extent, I'm not sure if he can grab that kind of a role. Um, 
But that's where you're going to need these young outfielders that you have been drafting and developing uh, to come up and be ready to take these spots so that you don't have to rely on big name, big money free agents uh, to fill your outfield and to fill out that roster. And uh, I think the same also could end up being said at the catcher position, because now we're in the last year of control for Omar Narvaez and the Brewers are going to need to see if your guy, Mario Feliciano, who uh, Mario Feliciano, if he can be ready uh, to, to take over now, he's currently the, the backup catcher. He's the only, he's the only other catcher on the 40 man roster. Um, And he's been doing well in the Arizona fall league, Matt. Yes, he has. Um, after uh, this most recent game, and he is in the starting lineup tonight, he is 0-1 in his first at-bat. Uh, David oh. Hamilton walked, by the way, to lead off the game. You uh, walked David Hamilton? Look. Oh, man, that that's uh, a that, bad idea. That man can steal three bases in the span of a blink of an eye. That is a horrible idea. <laughs> um, and, oh, he did not end up with a steal after that, though, unfortunately. Oh, wait, oh. yes, he did. Never mind. Four, yep, he did get one. Uh, after that walk. So he's got his fourth already of uh, Arizona Fall League action after I think being there for like a week. But anyway, I get off track. Um, Mario Feliciano, the guy I should be talking about, um, has raised his batting average all the way up to 342 after Ooh. a slow start. Yeah. Ooh, we love to OPS, see it. You do. OPS up to 849. Um, that comes with an on base percentage of 375. So that's decent. Five doubles, no homers yet. Um, but he is doing his thing down there. And that is a team, uh, again, with uh, quite a few catchers on the roster. And he is by far uh, pacing the rest of them. They've got Cooper Hummel, actually, um, oh. ex-Brewer on the team. Uh, he's hitting 192. Another couple guys hitting 233 and 194. So, obviously, um, Mario Feliciano is pacing the team's catchers. And he's going to earn some more playing time. Um, so that's good. Um, you want to see that. That's why you sent him there. Um, he was out for a big portion of this year injured. And so you wanted to see him step in, get some at bats, start to feel more like himself and work his way towards, um, what they're going to use him for next year. So that's good and all, but does that necessarily equate, uh, being on the bench behind Omar Narvaez next season? I don't know about that. I don't know that he is fully ready for that. I believe Feliciano, I believe is 23. I want to say he's still pretty darn young. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was just 22 this year. So he'll be 23 next year. All right. Uh, Oh, he's about to actually, I think I saw that his, uh, his birthday is very soon. Why I know that you, you got to get him a gift about it. (laughs) I do. That's right. Um, but I, so I, I don't know, based off of his limited AAA experience um, and the fact that he's still super young, that he's necessarily ready to step right in there um, and be the backup catcher at the major leagues full time already. Um, but he'll be close. He could end up uh, there partway through next season. Um, I wouldn't put it past that. But I do think the Brewers um, will probably be shopping the free agent market for a catcher. And I, I believe Stern said as much. Yeah, yeah. Stearns did say that they're they're looking for someone, uh, preferably with experience at the big league level, um, that, that could step in. I'm assuming probably also someone with options, um, kind of like Luke Maley was last year. Uh, he had one option left when the Brewers signed him. 
now that they use it this year, now he's out of options and he did elect free agency. Uh, so Luke Maley is is gone. Um, so they're going to need someone else to be that backup catcher. And yeah, Feliciano, I think what they need for him is is to get those regular everyday at bats um, and, and to make sure that um, he's ready for the big leagues whenever they do call him up, if they ever need him, um, if something happens with uh, Narvaez or whatever. So I, I think you're going to see someone else uh, get signed who, I don't know, um, it, it could be anyone, but yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a lot to look into there, but yeah, Feliciano, I still think is going to be a little bit further away, but he's getting close and he's doing well down in the Arizona Arizona Fall League. Um, all right, speaking of prospects, the Rule Five deadline, uh, the, mm-hmm. the deadline to add players to the 40-man roster before the Rule Five draft, if it even happens, if the winter meetings even happen this year, yeah. who really knows? Uh, there, there could be a lockout before that. Um, but the Brewers have four open 40-man roster spots right now. And they have, I believe it is four top 30 prospects from MLB Pipeline that yes. are eligible. But a lot of these guys that are eligible, they seem pretty far away. I'm not sure if the Brewers are going to think that they're worth protecting. Right. Um, and I just posted a story to the sites um, right before we started recording tonight. Um, so you can check that, although this will be tomorrow when people hear that, it'll still be on the site. Um, so you can check that out. It goes over the top 30 guys that are eligible, um, of those guys, um, really two of the four are guys with promise. One of the four is even remotely close, um, to the majors, if that, and that would be number 15 prospect Corey Howell, um, kind of a, you know, you talk about guys who, you know, stepped up and opened some eyes this year. Um, and the first two obviously names that come to mind are Joe Gray Jr. and Joey Weimer. But if you were to have a Brewers minor league all-star team, I think that third outfield spot gets filled by Corey Howell. He had himself quite a year um, across high A Wisconsin and double A Biloxi. Um, hit a little bit more for power this year than he had in the past. Um, he looked okay in 2019, but looked really good this year and added 24 steals. So 16 homers, 24 steals across a season, you'll take that. Um, and so that's something I think the Brewers um, are excited to keep developing. The big question with him is, does that translate to a major league active roster spot? Because for any other team to take him, they have to add him to the 26-man roster. And so, you know, for a guy who is still 23 years old, um, he only spent, um, you know, a handful of games actually at AA. Um, so he doesn't even, even having peaked at that, he doesn't have that much experience there. 28 games, it actually was. Um, I don't think any other team is prepared to add him to a roster for next season. And so I think more than anything, the Brewers don't add him to the 40-man because of the fact that they don't have to worry about another team taking him. Um, Outside of him, Carlos Rodriguez is probably one of the biggest of those four still with promise. Um, Very good uh, hit tool, and mostly just that. (laughs) And so he hasn't really developed a lot of the other tools, Um, and he also hasn't played above high A. So, again, for the same reason as Howell, I don't think there's any worry about another team poaching him. Um, and then the other two players being Tristan Lutz and Victor Castaneda, 
Um, neither of them are particularly close. Lutz has fallen way down the top 30 um, over really just the last year. And Castaneda only just got added to it. Um, but, I mean, he had an ERA in the fives. I don't know that any team also with him is looking to add him to a major league roster right now. So if I had to predict it, I don't think the Brewers add anyone, even past the guys that are the four that we mentioned that are just happen to be top 30 prospects. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, I don't, I don't really see any of those guys making it either. Um, Carlos Rodriguez, I like, but he's too far away. Corey Howell, you know, I I don't think they're going to add him either. Um, I, I think they may have some interesting guys in triple a that, I could possibly see them adding maybe like a Weston Wilson uh, who had mm-hmm. a really good season uh, or a Jamie Westbrook, uh, maybe even a David Fry. When we had a friend of the podcast, Garrett Green, come on uh, a few months ago, uh, he talked about David Fry and how well he was doing and uh, perhaps he could be a big league guy. And there's always the, the yearly question. What about Luke Barker? Will will they <laughs> add him? Will they add him this year? Will they add him in November to the 40-man roster so that, that way they can uh, they can bring him up to be a piece of the bullpen next year? Maybe. Who knows? Um, but I'm also not holding my breath for it. No, I, I don't want to get my hopes up again because I, I did write a piece last year about Dark Horse guys to be added ahead of the Rule 5, and I had Luke Barker on it, and he didn't get added. Luckily, he didn't get taken either. Um, I think based off of his performance in AAA this year, there's a little bit more of a risk that another team would actually want to add him to their major league roster. So there's a chance. Um, And I think of guys that are down there, I think Jamie Westbrook um, really would have a chance more than anything of just a, just a legit ad uh, rule five draft aside. Um, He had a very solid campaign last year um, and can play multiple positions. So he, he just he seems like the type of player that the Brewers like, to be honest. Um, so I could see that. Um, but again, these are kind of these are guys, non top 30 guys who are kind of on the fringe um, where, you know, if you lose them, they have been career minor league guys anyway. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't complain if Jamie Westbrook got added, to be honest. Um, he, he was really good in 2021, but um, I also wouldn't be heartbroken if he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of heartbreak um, this past week Mm. when it was announced that Manny Pena would be leaving the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, we all know he was entering free agency. I mean, we just kind of talked about um, Mario Feliciano on the backup catcher situation. We didn't preface it with with Manny Pena. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's it's the Miller like in my head or the fact that Corbin (laughs) Burns is a Cy Young uh, that, that distracted me. But Manny Pena has signed a two-year, $8 million deal with the Atlanta Braves, who eliminated the Brewers in the postseason. Um, So his Brewers tenure has come to an end, the longest tenured Brewers player this season. And, you know, it's tough to see him go because he's such a fun clubhouse presence, such a fun guy to see every single day at the ballpark. Um, But you you knew it was coming. I mean, you knew he was probably leaving and that he probably wasn't going to end up coming back. And he gets, he gets paid. He gets some good money heading down to Atlanta. Yeah. And good for him for that too. Um, he's, he's certainly served his purpose well here um, over the last few years. Um, 
man, just one of the most fun guys. That Hotel California, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. is just going to live on in eternity. Just one of the most legendary clubhouse moments to happen during the Craig Council era. Um, I think, though, it's only fair, since the Braves have Manny Pena, that we just go out and get Stephen Vogt in free agency. Maybe we can do a little catcher swap I was here. thinking Freddie Freeman, but, you know, okay. I don't think I don't think he can play catcher. No, but he can play first a lot better than any of the oh, guys that we currently true. have. This is we true. got we got Omar Narvaez for catcher. We're we're fine. We got Mario Feliciano behind him. We're fine. First base is a bigger issue. I mean, I guess you're right. That would only be fair. Yeah, it would only be Freeman fair. You take our backup swap. catcher. We take your perennial MVP candidate, Freddie Freeman. That's just <laughs> how it goes. Yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pino will now get a chance to um, head down to Atlanta and he will get to actually work with a completely new set of young, impressive pitchers. We got to see firsthand um, how good that those first three for the Braves are. And so um, Pino is a good defensive catcher. He calls a good game. Um, he'll be able to do some solid work with them. It's just sad to see it won't be in Milwaukee. Um, but, you know, 34-year-old catcher uh, hitting free agency when you've got, you know, kind of some younger options on the team. I think the writing was on the wall a little bit. But um, we will miss you, Manny Pena. Um, uh, I, I, I should be playing. We should be playing Hotel California. Um <laughs> Is there a way you can add that in to the end of the podcast at all? Or, you, or uh, is there some so. licensing? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. You got to pay for stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, seeing him and Orlando Arcia just, you know, get back together uh, and hanging out mm. down there in Atlanta, it, it's going to make my heart warm, but also sad because it's not going to be in Milwaukee. But, like, like you remember that, that, like, that video with – um, Manny Pena singing Hotel California. He was surrounded by Orlando Arcia, Hernan Perez, and Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. Like all just like the most fun dudes you could have in a clubhouse. And they're just all having a great time doing doing his little jam session while he's singing Hotel California. And God, I miss all those guys. All of them gone yeah. now. Yeah. Willie Adamas, it is up to you to keep this clubhouse vibe alive. And I do not think he will have any problem doing that. I do not think he will disappoint at all. Um, Not one bit. However, it would be nice if Jesus Aguilar or Manny Pena or Orlando Arcia uh, were back just for their clubhouse presence because we know them and and love them. Um, But anyways, now I'm getting sad. Uh, uh, (laughs) How how do I make myself happy again? Oh, yeah, Corbin Burns is your reigning National League Cy Young. Yes, sir. There it is. All right. And we're back. So, so um, David Stearns also decided to make a trade this past weekend. Um, the, nice. the timing was very kind of inconvenient. Um, so for me, I was at a wedding this past weekend. Um, and so we're just, you know, going through a ceremony, whatever else. And it's time to get onto the party bus, you know, as one does. I get on the party bus. I finally, like, pull up my phone and check it. And all of a sudden, I just see, oh, the Brewers have traded for Mike Brasso from the Tampa Bay Rays and have sent Evan Reifert, a minor league relief pitcher, uh, to Tampa. So the Brewers have a new utility infielder in Mike Brasso, 
who had some big moments in, in 2020 for the Rays as an infielder. Uh, hit some big home runs. Um, really interesting kind of player. Had a down year in 2021. Um, excuse me. But in return, the Brewers give up Evan Reifert, uh, who was an undrafted free agent in 2020. Had a really strong season in Carolina out of their bullpen. And was a really intriguing young pitcher. Uh, put up some really good numbers. I mean, uh, let me let me pull him up here. Um, he had for uh, Carolina and then moving up to uh, Wisconsin, had a 2.1 ERA in 37 appearances, covering 60 innings, and had 103 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are some yeah. pretty good numbers. Yeah, 15 and a half strikeouts per nine. That's Josh Hader territory. Yeah. Like that's that's solid for a reliever. I can't remember which uh, if it was Greg Young or Chris Mearing that I asked uh, about him. I think it was Young because he did play for both. I thought it was as well, even though he was only there for a little bit. Um, but um, had glowing reviews um, for him when we did ask. And so, um, yeah, that's a little tough to get rid of a young guy like him. Was brand brand new. Um, to the organization, I believe we signed him as a minor league free agent. I want to say, yep. under one free of those agent few. 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was still a lot to see with him. Um, but if you can, there's no guarantee as to how it's going to turn out. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you can get um, use, you know, one young guy um, to bring in some major league talents, I, I think you will always go ahead and pull that move. So. Um, I think it's a that's a win-win for both teams. And if you look at uh, Brasso's 2020 season, 302 batting average and 936 OPS. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, solid numbers. He only played in 36 games, um, so small sample size, obviously. Um, only 98 plate appearances, actually. Um, but he was well on his ways. 2019. Um, where he played in some more, he played in 50 games that year, was still decent, 781 OPS. Um, so I think there's a lot to like there. And let's be honest, we've uh, done pretty well in some of the moves we've made with uh, Tampa, as have they. And so, um, you know, it, I'm starting to feel like there's just some teams that we are just building some solid relationships with in terms of player swaps between us, uh, between the Rays, between the Mariners. Um, unfortunately, Brody Van Wagnon isn't around anymore. We can't get any more guys from him. Um, although, let's be honest, Lowell Mets is a uh, philosophy that will live on. So it's alive and well. Alive and well, indeed. Um, yeah. But I'm excited to see what he can do there. And the dude can play just about everywhere. Um, so yeah. you've got a lot of options as to what you can do with him. Exactly the type of guy that Stearns and Council just love. Yeah, exactly. And and he's young and he's going to be cheap. Um, so there's there's a lot to like there. And uh, really, I think he's going to kind of take over. And I think Will Salmon, a uh, friend of the podcast, Will Salmon, put it best, saying this really raises the floor of the Brewers yes. roster um, and really kind of helps this group out. I think what this does is this effectively replaces Jason Base peterson Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jace is slated to hit arbitration. You know, he, he's projected, you know, 
1.3, like one and a half million or something like that. Instead of paying him that, you can pay Brasso 500, 600,000. Um, and, you know, you save some money and you probably improve the position a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Peterson had uh, a really hot stretch there for a while. Um, but he really kind of, you know, leveled out after that. And, you know, he was just kind of another utility guy, you know, after a while. Had a really good stretch. But at the end of the day, he was who we thought he was. Um, just yeah. kind of your average utility infielder at best. Um, so I, I think this might spell the end for on-base Jace. Um, but Brasso, I, I think, is a really intriguing guy. Um, I didn't get too much of a chance to look into it because, as I said, when I first saw this news, I was just hopping onto a party bus and uh, cracking, uh, <laughs> cracking open some beers and uh, getting ready to party uh, at a wedding. So I didn't get too much of a chance to look into it. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting uh, – I think it's a pretty solid trade. Yeah, and for what it's worth, um, just pulling up some of his uh, fielding numbers, he does have – um, again, in uh, limited innings played, he has positive defensive run save numbers at first, second, and third base. Um, in the outfield, he's at zero, has played less in the outfield than in the infield. Um, I mean, but that's pretty decent. Um, I'll definitely take that. He's only got, uh, he's got five total errors to his name um, in the majors uh, in his time there. So could be a serviceable defender on top of things. Um I think Jace was all right as a defender, but he certainly wasn't. I, I wouldn't have put him above average at any of the positions from anything mm-hmm. that I saw. Um, so I, I think he helps you in a lot of areas. And I agree. Yes, he does, you know, raise that floor. If you're going to choose between a Jace Peterson or a Pablo Reyes or Mike Brasso, who hits baller postseason home runs <laughs> off of a Roldis friggin' Chapman. Um, I'm I'm gonna take the guy who hits the baller freaking postseason home runs. So um, we'll see what he can do for us. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see what uh see what he can do. Um, and I mean we'll see what happens with with Evan Reifert. I mean he was a guy that I thought was really kind of you know could end up me moving up quick, but you know it happens. And the, the Brewers have a bunch of pitching, um, and they're willing to to deal from it to to get some help. And I mean. I mean, even probably at his best, Reifert's probably a mid bullpen arm, you know, mm-hmm. you know, low leverage relief type arm, most likely. Um, he, maybe he could be like a closer or late ending guy, but um, for that, for what he could potentially be, you get uh, a really solid uh, utility guy that, that can bring a lot to your ball club on day one. I think that's a good trade from the Brewers' perspective. And yeah. and for the okay. Rays also, I mean, they have a very deep infield and a lot of infield options. Um, so clearing the way for some of them um, for some potential future bullpen arms, that, that also makes sense for them as well. Yeah, it, it's, it, it really is similar to the trade from last year. You know, Adamas um, was not performing for the Rays. The Brewers needed to solidify shortstop. That ended up uh, clearing out the way for some of the Rays infielders as well. Um, that works out for the Brewers. And when it came to uh, Fire Eisen and Rasmussen, who headed over there, um, yes, it turned out we 
really could have used them towards the end. Um, but huh. we have some solid young pitching coming up. Um, and the Rays uh, wanted to take those guys on. And so, you know, that was ended up being a win-win for both teams. I think this trade will end up being that way as well. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good one to watch, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see uh, Brasso in Milwaukee and see him reunited with uh, Willie Adamas and Ozzie Timmons, the the new hitting coach uh, that we yes. talked about uh, last week. So should be should be a lot of fun there. Uh, excited for it. So a lot to look forward to if this season starts on time. But that is for another podcast episode. That's not this one. Um, this one, obviously the primary focus, Corbin Burns is your Corbin National Burns. League Cy Young winner. And I will Hallelujah. not stop saying it. I'm going to let everybody know. I kept all the receipts. Never so waited once. And here we are. The Cy Young hype train. Oh, man, the party last night. Oh, it was insane. We were doing <laughs> body shots. And table shot, we are popping bottles. <laughs> Everything, man. The wildest party you can imagine was happening on the Corbin Burns Cy Young hype train as we pulled into our final destination. It was fantastic. Yep. We we, we had uh, Corbin Burns hangovers this morning, but then we kept partying. We, we had Corbin Burns hair of the dog afterwards. Can't get hung over if you don't stop drinking. Oh, that's true. <laughs> That's true. That's the Wisconsin mantra right there. Yeah. But that should be our state motto forward. What is that? Come on. <laughs> it really should be both the state and the universities. Definitely the university. Both, yeah. Yeah, definitely the university. As we both take least. our final beer swigs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good spot to end it uh, for this week on the Corbin Burns Cy Young Victory Lap episode here on the Cold Brew Podcast. I was right. I told y'all. Keep on listening to the pod for more of me being right. And I'm telling you what's going to end up (laughs) happening. Because that is what we do here. We tell you the future. And the future is here. Corbin Burns Cy Young winner. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Sure, tune back in next week uh, as, well, I'll probably gloat over that again and we'll continue with whatever other uh, brewer's news that comes up uh, as well. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you again next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.